Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Charles Alberts, the former head of wellbeing solutions at Aon and the current global head of wellbeing and employee experience at Clifford Chance. Charles has a vast array of experience when it comes to wellbeing and workplace health, and today we're going to talk about the future of workplace health and the changing perceptions at work. Welcome to the podcast, Charles. Hello, Charles, and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Harry. Well, nice to see you, and thank you so much for for inviting me. I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well, thanks. I've been really looking forward to this conversation, and we've caught up a few times before this. Um, and the first place that I'd like to start, and it's quite a, a big topic that we're going to be discussing today, um, but the changing perceptions of work, um, especially with new generations coming into the workforce, um, work is changing and adapting so fast. What are the things that you're seeing at the moment in your role and in your previous role as well? I mean, I, I, I think it's a really interesting question and, and such an important point for us to consider because I think so many employers have seen this acceleration of a trend that's already in play. And, and I think COVID has been a big, you know, prompt um, for that. One of the reasons for that, I, I think, is, you know, newer generations entering the workplace. Uh, millennials is the biggest population for, for many employers now. And of course, we have Gen Z in, in the workplace as well. And um, those newer generations come to work with very different attitudes and expectations. I also think technology has played a really big part in this because it's enabled us to work in ways that we you know perhaps never really considered before but i think some of the changing expectations of uh, newer generations is kind of having that you know greater sense of connection with the organization mm-hmm. so feeling an, an affinity and an alignment with us with a sense of purpose I, I also think there's greater expectation for for flexibility that's kind of where you know how we work and so on and and more focused on outputs um, rather than you know clock watching and, and and the time that you you're in work I, I think that um, people have an expectation to be recognized for the work that they do so that feeling of being being valued is is more important than before and and also well-being is really really high up on on uh, new employees expectations for uh, modern employers um it no longer is a is a nice to have it is just an expectation i think we we kind of think about their changing worlds as well which might be different to when many of us entered the workplace think about they no longer be this kind of being this uh linear career progression where you know finish university go to work retire um you know now people will take sabbaticals um we we hear of many more people taking career breaks uh, you might have a family or start your family later on you might potentially retrain and have a second career so the kind of world of work i think from that perspective mm. looks very different i think finally we need to also think about the kind of pace of change from a technological perspective. Think about things like automation, artificial intelligence and so on. And the skill set that that the workforce needs is quite different now as well. So things like emotional intelligence, you you know, uh, being creative and innovative, being uh, flexible cognitively, 
those kind of soft skills are, I think, much more important in the contemporary world of work. There's so much to unpack there. Um, and I, I, yeah, I've got a sore neck from just nodding um, along for those <laughs> that, that can't see me at the moment. You mentioned something around outputs and measuring outputs rather than just clock watching. That's something that obviously working for a global law firm, um, you measured every seven minutes and or, uh, yeah, you bill every seven minutes. How are, you, how are you going to look to potentially change that and challenge that um, model? Is that something that you're, you're looking to do in terms of that output um, arena? Yeah, I think, I mean, again, a, a very good question. And I think um, the legal industry in general has some big challenges um, around how we look after people's health and well-being because of the core model of how we work commercially. You know, clients appoint us for projects um, and we deliver that work and we often charge on a, you know, on an hourly, on an hourly basis. That can drive certain behaviors that mm-hmm. can negatively impact people's health and well-being. And I think we're starting to think much more holistically about um, health and well-being and how we support people while still appreciating the environment that they, they operate within. So I look at kind of well-being, I think, as taking place on three different levels. So typically, you know, Traditionally, we focus very much on individual health and well-being. So that is good practices that you and I can do to look after our own health and well-being. But increasingly, we're recognizing the importance of team well-being. So that's the, the work that you do, your relationship with your, your colleagues, your manager as a, as a mentor and, and coach and other aspects as well. But also creating a healthy work environment, so that healthy firm. And I think creating that broader culture where we look at well-being as well-being as usual, you know, that it's no longer just something that we do, you know, on an awareness day, but actually it's ingrained in the way that we we work. So having better work-life balance, respecting people's rest periods, um, fostering a culture of healthy relationships between people. That is increasingly important because I think without that healthy, firm culture, then we'd be diff- very difficult for individuals um, to, to look after their own health and well-being. And I think that's fascinating. It's something that we've spoken about at long length previously as well, that many organisations and especially well-being providers are focusing on the individual and individual resilience or sleep or nutrition or all of these other areas. But often the organisational layer and the structure around and the environment is really the key focal point. Do you think that's where well-being leads and people in your position are going to really be focusing on and doubling down on over the next couple of years? Yeah, Harry, I, I, I'd say so. I mean, I'm, I'm really encouraged that, um, you know, in all of the conferences that I go to in the articles we read and so on, there seems to have been a shift away from us just talking about individual health and well-being. You know, thou shalt um, eat better, drink more, sleep, you know, sleep more. Um, but, but actually looking at workplace well-being and the factors in the workplace that uh, have both a positive and negative impact on people's health and well-being. I always say good work is good for our health and well-being. It contributes to our health. It gives us an income, helps us to lead good lives, sense of recognition and achievement, and loads of other things that work give to us. But if work volumes, so the pressure that we've got, workloads, um, and the pace of work is too high and sustained for a long period of time, then that can have a very negative impact on our health and well-being. 
And I think increasingly enlightened organizations are focusing more on that, which is in the workplace's control, rather than the factors that you can maybe influence but isn't really in your control as the employer. And that always has to be the place to start is the organization showing that healthy role modeling, uh, leadership are believing in everything that, that's happening. And then there's a, a top down um, fil- filtering approach within there. Is that something that, that you find as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think um, authentic leadership around well-being is so important because that sets the tone for the entire organization. It gives us permission to talk about well-being as usual. But it's really important for our leaders to, to role model you know, the healthy practices as well. But there are a number of other factors, I think, that we need to think about. So we want to normalize and normalize health and well-being, you know, mental health and, and so on. And we want to tackle any stigma or misunderstanding that potentially you know, exists. And through that, we need to increase the literacy on these issues of the entire organization, not just pockets of it. So I think training is, is a really important um, part. But you also need to have the policies and procedures in place. So the more formalities around the way that we do things and what is and what isn't acceptable. And that's really important for things like poor behavior, incivil behavior, you know, even bullying and and harassment so that we can protect employees in in the workplace. But there are so many other things to look at. So I, I, I look at three Uh, lenses. Um, The work environment, so the workplace itself needs to be conducive to to well-being, and I'm including the built environment in that. Um, The technological environment, so having consumer-grade technology that doesn't frustrate people, and then finally the culture as well. You mentioned consumer-grade technology, and can I just pick up on that? Because I see a lot of B2B technology um, often looks quite outdated, quite clunky, and it's stuff that, as a consumer, we not might not use. We love our iPhones, we love Netflix, we love Spotify, and they all look yeah. beautiful. They're really carefully curated and designed. How important is that design and is that process when it comes to B2B technology as well? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's really important. Um, you know, in, in many organizations, we see technologies being, being launched, um, vital parts of business processes, helping us to be more efficient, better outputs, better service to clients. And yet employees don't embrace those technologies. Mm. And, um, you, you know, the various, various reasons for that, but certainly if it's not user friendly, um, if, if it doesn't um, appeal to the individual from a look and feel perspective. It's not if it's not intuitive, you're not going to get the take up and the engagement with it that that you'd like. That kind of brings me on to the point of you know I think employee listening is something that we need to do much more of, um, and, and of course I include ourselves um, in that as well. I, I think um, you know we need to start designing workplaces with employees in the heart rather than say clients at, at the heart of it. Because if we look after our employees, if we really understand how they're feeling, what their needs are, how we can better support them, then you know without question that your clients will be delighted as well. I absolutely love that message, Charles. And I think onto the element of listening, something we mentioned and something that really stuck with me is you mentioned don't set practices in stone at the moment. We've learned so much over the last couple of years. We know that the world has evolved so much um, in terms of flexible working, home working arrangements, all of these areas. But one thing that, that I know you heard it in a, a, another conversation is don't set these practices in stone. What, what do you mean by that? And the, especially to the heads of well-being and the heads of HR that are listening to this session. 
I mean, I think that um, the pace of change in the world in general, but particularly in the workplace, um, has accelerated. And, um, you know, many organizations are grappling with, well, how do we respond? How do we, what do we do from an agile, um, flexible, hybrid working perspective? What's what's going to have the best um, impact for our people, but at the same time, you know, help us to function really well as a business, commercially, and, and maintain our culture when people, you know, that we know is, is greater when people are, are, are together. I think none of us have the answers as yet. Um, and whilst we can look at examples of what other employers have done, you know, for each of our organization, there are some unique, um, you know, dynamics at play. So I think the, the employee listening is really important. And employee listening has evolved um, over the years from the kind of one-time big survey to, you know, more, more frequent pulse surveys on particular issues where you'd like input. I also think getting feedback on uh, moments that matter um, and, and employees experience through that is vitally important. So if someone's had a promotion or if they've had a new baby, um, you know, getting their feedback um, seeing how they're doing with that. If there's anything else that you can do as the employer, all of that listening is so important to kind of help shape your own thinking and your response to some of the big issues that we're grappling with. Otherwise, you're just shooting in the dark. And, and I think actually, you know, employees do need to be at the heart of, of our design. Charles, thank you so much um, for joining us on today's session. I can't wait to hear the feedback from this. Nice to see you, Harry. Thanks for having me. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.